when you're a musician, sometimes it's hard to sort of have an original vision and be like, this is my sound. I'm sticking to it when it's not popular. Yeah. You know, those artists that have to, that are slaving away for 10 years and they're like, this is my sound. I, f- I refuse to adapt to something that's more commercial. For sure. I'm not going to use drum machines or electronic beats. And, um, but the way that I think both pop music and technology go is that by the time something gets popular, like it is on trend, it's already too late. Like that's when everyone rushes in. Thank you for joining us today. I have an amazing CEO and founder with me, someone that I really look up to, one of my favorite people in the tech industry. It's good to have a founder buddy like you so I can bounce ideas. Also, you know everything that's happening in the future. I'm like, Adam, what's happening? What does this mean? I feel like I I work on the physical music industry and you're in the future of the music industry. You're in the where we're going to be in like a year. That's where you live. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam Arrigo. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wave XR. Wave is the leading metaverse concert company. If you saw any of the crazy metaverse concerts with uh, The Weeknd, Justin Bieber, and most recently Calvin Harris just a few days ago, that was, that was this guy. Hey there. And feelings mutual. Huge respect for Jamcard, one of my favorite companies in the space. Um, I was similarly, similarly inspired to start Wave for almost the same reason, is to help musicians. Um, and so, so great to be here. Thanks again. Dude, let's get it. Wow, we got sound effects. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> this is even more high tech than I thought. What's cool is so we're real life friends. That's I love you, bro. By the way, hey, cheers. Adam, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time out of your super busy schedule. Hey, anytime. You and I hang out a lot, but never Monday through Friday, uh, eight a.m. till seven p.m. Feels great to be on the clock. We're on the clock right now. This is it. This is it. This, this was the dream before we started our companies. It's like, can we get paid to do the thing we love? We're literally working right and now. And now we're doing it together. <laughs> Should I be looking at the camera, by the way, or at you? Just when you want to make like a great point. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm looking at you. You know, like, yeah. So I, I usually just be like, hey, everybody, welcome. And then I'm like, hold on a second. I'm going to talk to this guy. You can listen though. Adam, <laughs> tell me about. <laughs> I see. Okay. Thanks. So, I got it. I got it. But if you're feeling it, you know what I'm saying? If you're like, look, guys, here's the thing. Like. It's all inside you, everything you ever need, all inspiration, all of your dreams, all of your hopes, the ability to execute is all inside you. Right. Okay. Hopefully I get to the profound level that you just demonstrated. I don't know that we're going to get there, but I'm going to, I'm going to lure you in. Maybe as a great interviewer, you can get out of it. I'm going to dangle some carrots into the profound area. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk you right in. Okay. All right. It's in the back of my mind. I'll, I'll, I have that card, but that I can play. There it is. There it is. So as you guys can tell, we're friends. We actually met. Uh, in the early days of Jamcard and in the early days of Wave, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Neil Devani. Big shouts to Neil Devani. Neil Devani's the man. That was six years ago. That was six years ago. Neil was uh, called me looking. He was looking to invest in in Wave, or his his fund at the time was looking to invest in Wave, and uh, and he hit me up and was like, "Will you go meet this founder and like tell me if you think it's cool?" And I think you guys would hit it off anyways. But just go meet him. He's like building it out of his apartment and. True. In Santa Monica, but you had the te- you had uh, your small team at the time in Austin also. So I was like, yeah, sure. I, I was like, because when I started Jamcard, I didn't have founder friends. I just had musician friends. I was coming off 15 years in the music industry. So I had a ton of people that were in music, but I didn't have like a lot of founder buddies. Yes. And, and there aren't a lot of music tech companies comparable to the rest of tech. It's, it's kind of a niche within a bigger industry. Totally. And a lot of the times the music tech companies aren't even founded by musicians. Right. So when we met and I showed up to your place and then I, and then I, we met and we instantly hit it off 
and you're a rad guy and you, and you, um, actually play music. You're an actual musician. I was like, okay, okay. And at the time, how I was introduced to you was like, oh yeah, he worked, uh, he worked on, on guitar hero. <laughs> and I was, I ripped guitar hero. I was serious. I took it seriously. Right. And so it was, it was at harmonics who made guitar hero and, yes. and rock band and, and rock band. Yes. And so I was a designer there and my area of specialty was the drums. So like sort of my claim to fame is that I got to work on the drum gameplay, which, which I was leading for, for the rock band franchise. So cool. And, um, it, it kind of taught me to play drums because I'd have to figure out how to adapt famous drum parts to gameplay. And a lot of kids ended up playing that game and turned out to be real drummers. That's so cool. It like lured people in. We would see these YouTube videos of, it's like a nine year old slaying, um, on the kit. And he would say that he, he learned through rock band. Yeah. He's like playing Kansas or Dragon Force yeah, yeah. or like <laughs> carry on my wayward son. <laughs> He's just like din, 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 din. totally because in that game, like unlike the guitar, which is abstracted to five notes, drums are one to one. So you learn limb separation, coordination, and then you learn famous drum parts for sure. Yeah. Guitar Hero. Actually, it was funny because I didn't want to play the drums when I was playing uh, Guitar Hero or Rock Band. I always wanted to play guitar because I was like, I already know drums. Yeah. You're like. This is easy for me. And then I was like, oh, I can finally play guitar. Five notes, ripping. And then I'd be like, maybe I'm interested in learning guitar now. No, way harder. Not the same as drums. Yep. We did. Vocals also were one-to-one. So you could technically learn how to sing from playing that game. And then when we did the game of the Beatles, we introduced um, three-part harmony as a skill. So you could actually learn how to harmonize, which is super dope. That's so cool. So yeah, so when when I first met you, I was like, well, that's so cool that you were at Harmonix and you worked on... Uh, legendary music tech, like rock band and guitar hero was, was changed the, changed the world. Right. And was the most exciting video game for me. Cause I was like, Oh, this marries two things I love. And, and then there was a drum set. I was like, this is too good to be true. So then now, now you're at wave uh, and you start wave and it obviously has evolved a lot from the early days. Um, I remember the first time I put it on, I went to your apartment and I put on the VR headset cause you were focused on, on VR. Yeah when you first started it. That's right. And, uh, and I put it on and I was all of a sudden in this world and you had this DJ set up and I could like choose songs out of orbs yeah. <laughs> or put them in orbs and, and everything. And I was like, this is so cool. And there was like people and you'd be like, look, I could be here. I could be in Austin, Texas at your show and you could see me. And I was just like, wow. Cause this was six years ago. Yeah. So, so far ahead. So it's, it's crazy to watch you evolve into what, and watch wave evolve into what it is now and how you're actually fitting into culture and where culture's at and meta claiming, you know, terming metaverse and everything, but you've already got years of development and focus into it. So, wow. I think it was actually seven years ago. How, what is time? How long have we been doing this? Um, uh, well, a new, we're in a new year now. It's true. Yeah. We were working on, I guess what people would now call metaverse um, before it was cool. And before it was called Metaverse. Before it was called Metaverse. <laughs> Although Neil Stevenson coined the term in his seminal novel, sci-fi novel, Snow Crash, years before this. But that, but now it's caught on because Facebook changed its name to Meta and the pandemic hit and people started seeing the value proposition or the, the potential for doing all kinds of things in virtual spaces out of necessity um, because we're all kind of trapped at home. Concerts were canceled globally and the idea of a virtual concert all of a sudden started to make sense. Um, to more people. I, th- I think pre-pandemic, we were like slaving away at working on the, the foundational tech elements, the software, um, rolling out concerts with a slate of artists, but it still felt pretty niche. Um, and then 
you know, if I would describe what we did to my Uber driver or like a waiter at a restaurant, everyone would just sort of look at me with a blank stare. But oh, post pandemic, um, I think people kind of understand now. They're like, oh, yeah, virtual concerts. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so really, it's, it's a lot of right place, right time, because you had already spent years building this platform. You were really ahead of the wave, no pun intended. Wow. Um, Did you turn to look at the camera when you said that? He was really ahead of the wave. Okay, there we go. You even knew, you knew the wave was there. You were like, this is going to be a wave. I'm going to call it wave. True. The metaphor does work yes. because as a surfer, in order to catch a wave, you have to already be pedaling forward. And then when, then you get on the board. You can't just get on the board. You're a surfer. And timing matters too. Timing all. Yeah. So right place, right time. You got years of development already in. You, cause you had already, correct me if I'm wrong, but before COVID you had already started doing just the, like the YouTube kind of 2d streams, right? Or did that happen with when COVID finally hit and we were all locked up? It was before COVID. So when we started the company, it was around the time it was a couple years after um, Facebook bought Oculus, which was this, you know, the VR hardware company. Yeah. I had already been developing for the early VR headsets, um, just developing music experiences and like sort of immersive visualizers. So I was really excited once it started becoming more mainstream because when the first Oculus came out, it was a very like nerdy kind of tech thing, but you could tell that it had a lot of potential when you did that first demo that so many of us did. You're like, Oh my God, this is a game changer. Um, and so we decided to start the company really as a passion project in 2016 um, between my co-founder uh, Aaron Lemke and I, who is a really amazing VR designer um, just under the premise that, okay, like if, we think that more and more people are going to be hanging out in these 3D spaces, these like virtual spaces. Um, what's the music's role? And so at first we didn't really know what we were building. We're like, music and VR, go. So we made a music creation prototype that was a, a an immersive studio where you could like kind of sequence electronic music and control filters, like a, a chaos. Uh, we made, um, it was like a chaos pad, but in 3D. So yeah. you could control three parameters at once. That was really so cool. So fun. And then we set up a the demo, which you saw, I think you, you saw both of these things, but um, the other one was like a DJ prototype that had a very basic networking feature, which allowed people from around the world to sort of be an avatar in a space and watch you DJ. It was yeah. like very janky and pretty much broken all the time. And this is before, you know, Rec Room and VR Chat came out where like the idea of socializing in a virtual space now seems like more obvious, but just being in there, enjoying live music and watching someone perform was really compelling. And we're like, okay, cool. Well, we're musicians. Like we've been on tour before. Um, we know how hard it is to make money in the music industry. We know how, you know, hard hitting the road is and you have to go to all these different cities and it's expensive and not every artist has access to the same equipment or opportunities. Yeah. Like, cool. Like what if we could help musicians make money by going on tour virtually? It seemed like such a simple concept. Um, and so we started the company. That's amazing. And so, because I, I think it's important to have you on here because I want everyone to realize that like, this is not going away. This is only getting bigger. And when you think in about 2024, 2025, like the chances that there is a jam jam in the metaverse, I am drumming in the metaverse. It is an avatar version of me that looks like me, but it's me playing really live. That is that is coming. So you need to prepare for this. <laughs> like very smart people like Adam are working on this <laughs> and it's going to happen and we're getting closer and closer. So where do you think we are now in terms of 
the metaverse and and its actual impact on reality like with what you talk about please what you just did with calvin harris and everything to give everyone kind of an example of where we're at today sure so when we started the company back in 2016 i don't think i realized what a long journey it was going to be yeah. as an entrepreneur there was a lot of hype at the time around vr specifically um, and then as you mentioned we ended up sort of shifting our focus away from vr um, over the years uh, to you know, video games, doing concerts inside, you know, 3D spaces like Roblox, um, and then streaming the concerts on in 2D on Twitch and, and on TikTok, uh, just to make it more accessible. Um, just because we found that in technology, there are these waves of hype. People get really excited about a new technology. Like back in 2016, it was VR. Like, oh my God, we're all going to be in VR 24-7. It's going to be the Matrix. It's going to change everything. Like every vertical of entertainment, it's going to change your life. But then what happens is like, there's this height of inflated expectations and then it crashes and people are like, VR's dead. Yeah. And then that lasts a few years and then eventually it starts to come back up and um, and people realize like, oh, this is the true value of the tech or certain design elements need to be improved or the price point's too high. And so now what's happening with with VR and AR specifically um, is that it's coming back. Like, mm -hmm. And so the Calvin show that we just did on Friday um, was the first show that where we supported VR again after like three years amazing so you just learn in the technology industry it's like sometimes you you ride the hype cycle to get started with something and you know raise money and start a team but you also need to uh just be mindful of what tech is really capable of delivering and understand like how to see the substance from the the fluff or, or the hype for sure but now like when it, so when it comes to the metaverse like there was another sort of metaverse hype bubble that happened when when Facebook changed its name to Meta, yeah, that coincided with like you know NFTs and crypto and Web three. There's a lot of noise and hype for a while that has also kind of died back down. Um, but back to that sort of slope of like you know technology inevitably uh, advancing and changing things for the better and, and the worse. Like I believe that you know, our company is probably like seven years into like a ten year journey of mm -hmm. you know becoming a really valuable company that enables a lot of uh, opportunities for for creators, like musicians specifically. For sure. And so I think it's like, it's not coming right now. Like artists don't need to go out and start playing metaverse concerts because they're not missing out yet, but there are opportunities like increasingly. Yeah. And then when- Especially as bigger brands get into it and then there's real money opportunities for the artists to do it. Totally. And, and but it's happening. And the way disruption works is like, it happens overnight when you don't expect it. And so <laughs> sometimes when it's like watching a pot that never boils, um, when you're building the technology, you're like, oh my God, when is this gonna happen? Like in the VR community, people are just like, when is Apple gonna release the headset? And then, or it's like, when is the movie Ready Player One that Spielberg filmed about VR, the, the VR community thought when that came out, the whole world was gonna change. It seems to go really slowly, but then overnight something happens and all of a sudden like everything has changed. Like I think we're seeing that revolution in AI right now yeah. with everyone kind of having this come to Jesus moment, like, oh my God, wait. But if you're in the AI scene, you've been working on this technology for decades and now yeah. you're starting to see these big consumer use cases. So I think the same is, is about to happen, not just for VR and AR, but for the idea of socializing in these 3D spaces, the idea of the metaverse. And for musicians, like, you know, any new technology is going to afford them all kinds of new opportunities for the ones that know how to harness it. Definitely. Because it, it's the same as saying like, oh, this person's an overnight success. Like our, the famous quote from Billy Joel. Right. Because everyone called Billy Joel an overnight success. He's like, I've been playing bars for 10 years every single night. And now that all of a sudden I have a hit song, everyone's like, oh, you came out of nowhere. You're an overnight success. He's like, 
I'm a decade in. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like the, the Grammy yeah. for best new artist. Yes. It's like, I'm two decades in, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. The same with Harmonix, the, the Guitar Hero rock band company. They were a company for 10 years before they launched Guitar Hero 1. Wow. That's really inspiring. I love that because so much of being a founder and entrepreneur, whether you're a creative entrepreneur as an artist or starting a company is like resilience. Totally. Staying, like keep going, keep evolving, keep working on what you're doing because you never know if all of a sudden what you've been doing, if you are in front of a wave that you don't realize yet, and then all of a sudden this use case presents itself, whether it's a global pandemic where you're like, oh, wait, it makes sense for us to be uh, in the metaverse and for us to sit at home and watch a concert that is this and I can see it and I can communicate to my friends where yeah. before COVID you'd be like, but why am I going to do that? I don't need to. I could just go see Travis Scott or Calvin Harris when they play. But now it's like, oh, and then you realize, and then it goes deeper and deeper into it, and these more and more use cases come out of it, and you're like, okay, now I see. And then now we are in a concert world again, and yet these virtual shows are still happening, and they're going to be continually evolving. Well, you're touching on a larger point, which I think is an interesting parallel between entrepreneurship and being a musician, which I feel like I learned a lot uh, from the latter to succeed at the former, which is like, back to the idea of hype bu bubbles, there are trend setters and there are trend chasers. And yeah. it's, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the two. Um, you know, mm. Harmonix, Roblox, like Roblox was, a, you know, is now worth tens of billions of dollars. They were around for over 10 years building out the foundation of that tech. And now that it's kind of coming to fruition, they hit an inflection point where they figured it out and, and, and now it's, it, it's working. Like mm. tons and tons of kids are socializing in these 3D spaces. I mean, I think that platform you know, in addition to Fortnite, VR chat, like that is the metaverse right now, like yeah. second life. And when you're a musician, sometimes it's hard to sort of have an original vision and be like, this is my sound. I'm sticking to it when it's not popular. Yeah. You know, those artists that have, to, that are slaving away for 10 years and they're like, this is my sound. I, f I refuse to adapt to something that's more commercial. For sure. I'm not going to use drum machines or electronic beats. And, um, but the way that I think both pop music and technology go is that by the time something gets popular, like it is on trend, it's already too late. Like that's when everyone rushes in, whether it's yeah. a, a subset of dance music or when I was in a band in Boston, it was just like, you know, the strokes were really popular and there was a very specific style of eighth note downstroke guitar. Yep. By the time that hit all of the bands in Boston, like we were all trying to copy that sound, but then by the time we started playing shows, everyone sounded the same. And so yeah. how do you be original and sort of have the gall to stick to it for a long time and wait for that moment? Cause yeah. it's hard. And then also sometimes that moment never comes and you're just like, maybe I should have given in. I should have like sold out. That's why well, luck is preparation means opportunity, right? So you gotta be prepared. That's what you can actually control. Yep. So only go after what you can control and manage that. So you doing you and you sticking to your vision and working hard on something and also push on yourself, keep asking yourself why to make sure that what you're working on is even something that you're excited about. Yeah. Genuinely. It's right? true. Cause so, it's not, you're not going to get through the tough times as an entrepreneur or a musician. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, there's no way if you start a company just cause you're like, I want to make money or I want to do this or I want the whatever. It's, it's kind of funny that like being an entrepreneur has like glitz and glam on TikTok right now and all these things where it's like, Oh God, you have no idea <laughs> what actually goes into this. Um, yeah. But that, but that's why, yeah, you, cause what's the point of starting a company if you're just going to stop in six months or in two years, you yeah. know, might as well choose a life mission, whether it's you as an artist working on your songwriting, your music, your production, your drums, your guitar, whatever it is, or you starting a company in whatever line of work it is, as long as it's something 
that you are so excited about and so passionate about, even if it's not popular right now, even better. Yeah. Do something that's not popular right now and go after it because a wave can hit um, and, you know, an opportunity can come out of nowhere. Like, I feel like what's cool is, so I would love to talk with you about pivoting because uh, as, as a good entrepreneur, you have to pivot constantly, uh, but you also have to know when not to pivot. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do both. And so I, I think the first big pivot that I saw with Wave which, which seems to me so like, oh yeah, you could just do that now that you did it. But at the time when you did it, I was like surprised was when you were focused on VR and then all of a sudden you got, you were like, oh yeah, you guys can just watch these live on YouTube. Now we're going live and it's on YouTube. And I was like, oh, cause I couldn't ever watch waves before. Cause I didn't have my head. I had a headset, but I didn't set it up, you know, and everything, unless I was at your house or at, so, or at one of my few VR friends houses. Right. But then all of a sudden you had it on, on YouTube. You did the Alice in Wonderland. And I watched that on YouTube and I was like, oh, now it's accessible to me. But meanwhile, it's already all these tools that you've been building, but you're just like now like, okay, we've already been doing this development, but hey, now it's accessible here too. And then all of a sudden that opened up a lot of uh, ability for people to just watch it. Right. We built, we launched wave.watch, which is our own website platform where you didn't need a headset to log on. You could create an account um, and then you could interact just through the website completely, you know, low friction. Uh, just because we felt like even, you know, for people that wanted to interact, it's still such a new concept to attend a live virtual concert because our shows are live. Like we have technology that animates the performer's avatar in real time. Um, still a new concept. And so maybe we were at step 10, like building this VR platform when consumers or music fans are really at step three. Yeah. Um, and I think we were right. It was the right decision at the time because the VR audience was still really small. And for our business, like we have to help musicians reach a larger audience. And so for those shows we did, um, you know, all the way up to the Justin Bieber show um, that we launched on our, our platform, the idea was just to be a sort of on-ramp to the metaverse. It's like for the metaverse curious, if you're interested in attending a virtual Justin Bieber show, just go to our site. You don't have to download anything. You can interact. You can send Justin virtual stars or virtual roses and he can respond to it. Um, and it was a great sort of proof of concept or window into the future for, I think what's now coming. And so mm. that's what we're now building. Yeah. I remember when I saw you do one with Dylan Francis and I, that was, I think my first time really interacting with wave yeah. on a wave watch and being like, Oh yeah. Like what kind of visual do you want to see in this next drop? And it was like mushroom, 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 like voting for different, experiences that you want that show was was insane yeah. it, it was titled total fiasco yeah. we just wanted to see <laughs> like okay like just how crazy can we make this thing yeah i think one important point about wave is that because sometimes people hear the concept of our company and they're like you're, you're creating virtual concerts like why do that like live music is so amazing and sacred why try to recreate it like this is sacrilegious it's different i hate you it's like okay just chill um like one of the th foundational principles of, of wave was that we're not trying to recreate a concert. And when, as an artist myself, like I'm really inspired by like the different like modes of, you know, self-expression that these types of mediums can enable just like with any new technology, like pro tools, DAWs, Ableton live, you know, sequencers, synthesize. It's like new technology allows new forms of art to happen. Yeah. And so for that Dylan Francis show, we're just like, how crazy can we make this? And so the, the show is just like, kind of like being on a drug trip. It's the environments are transforming. Uh, Dylan is in their life. People could buy him gifts that if he selects like his avatar 
transforms or he gets a superpower like laser eyes that he can yeah. shoot into the yeah. audience. It, it's really like a, a new medium, like a cross between a live concert, a, a video game and a music video. Yeah. And it's cool because it's a live concert that you can watch at home where your friends around the world are all watching it live at home as well. So you can all experience it together. Cause if I go see Paul McCartney at SoFi and my dad's going to see him three weeks later in New York or whatever it is, you know, it's like, okay, well I don't want, I'm going to wait to talk to you about it until you see it. I don't want to ruin anything, but whatever it is, set list, whatever compared to just, Hey, here's a one-off show yeah. that happens all together. You can watch it with all of your friends. And also I love that as a fan, you can interact and be like, play this song next, you know, or, or, or change to this uh, setting. Yeah. And cause your worlds that wave creates are, are so beautiful. That's another thing is when you see this art, see these beautiful psychedelic worlds, you know, you don't, you're not going to get that whole thing in a concert, like even someone like the weekend who, who you did uh wave with, which was amazing. And the worlds were crazy. And and he's known for having like on his recent tour right now, his set design is insane, right? It looks, it looks oh, yeah. incredible, but it's, com it's just a completely different thing. You can't really compare it. It's not like, should I go see the show? But I already saw it in wave. It's like, I don't think any consumer would say that it would just be like, I want to go see the show even more now. Cause it's a, it's different. Totally. Yeah. And in that show specifically, it was, very psychedelic yeah. per his vision. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when we do these big shows, we work with the artists, um, you know, closely to kind of like you're creating a music video for them, allowed them, help them express themselves using this new technology to do what they want to do. And so for that show, the whole thing started with, um, with Abel holding out this frog or this toad. And, um, and then there was a vote that the audience needed to interact with that said, should the weekend lick the frog? Yes or no. It's a very simple interaction. Um, and then everyone, like our servers almost crashed because people were, were voting like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> then he licks, Lick it. he licks this. It was like a TikTok <laughs> meme after the show. He licked the frog and then he goes on this sort of, you know, psychedelic dream-esque journey. Yeah. And uh, where he's sort of being chased by a giant weekend head, like because he's so tortured from his inner demons. Um, it was like a music video, but it's so cool that the crowd got to interact and participate in that moment. And you could see users and, like avatars and their names sort of promoted in the, the TikTok stream that we, that we did. I love that. So like from a business model standpoint, yes, like you're right. Like lowering access to live music is important. A lot of people can't go to, you know, see the artists that they want because they're not coming to their city um, or they can't attend a show with yeah. someone they care about because their dad lives across the country. Um, but I think the more important part is like, that it opens up new creative affordances and it's a different experience. And so for us, like it wasn't enough to just like, let's recreate a concert. Like, you know, we don't use any type of video tech like holograms or, mm -hmm. um, you know, or anything like that. Like for people who haven't seen our shows, like it's, it's fully rendered in real time in a video game engine. So the performers and avatar, like the stage is a fantastic environment that looks like a high res video game you as an audience member are an avatar and you get, you can shoot stars in the sky or butterflies or you can fly. Um, anything's possible. And so it's, it's really about having a parallel experience. It's different. It's crazy. It is not a show. You got to watch a wave. Um, okay. So yeah, cause I know in thinking about uh, jam card is not what I first started it out uh, to be right. There, there's a lot of similarities. Like I wanted to make a network for music professionals to be able to find each other and connect and collaborate and all that kind of stuff. So it started as that and that still exists, but like all the different things that we do 
Now, even just the Jam Jam was never supposed to be a thing. I was just going to be like, oh, yeah, we launched uh, the company. Uh, let's just do a members-only jam session in my house, right? And then... And I, I went to those. They were amazing. Yeah, you were at those early ones at the house. In, yeah. the, in the castle, yeah. That was awesome. That was so sick. But yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't a thought. That wasn't a business plan of like, that's going to be a thing. It was just more so in being an entrepreneur, knowing what I'm good at. Hey, what could I do? Oh, I could do this thing. Oh, this is actually something I could put together in a week where tech takes many months of planning and execution and building the, building the code and testing it and then shipping it. And I was like, oh, I could just do this. And then I did it. And then when it went well, just, okay, keep doing it. It keeps evolving. And now it's like a whole asset of, of jam cards that wasn't really a planned to be, or even what we're doing now and working with brands was, is more just like, oh yeah, we could do that. Oh, we yeah. could do that. And trying it and then seeing how it feels yep. and seeing if it works and if it works and it feels good and it still solves uh, or, or satisfies and feeds your mission. Our mission is to always just bring dignified work and opportunities to our members. So anything we do, if it does that, we should probably do it. Yeah. You have values. We have real value. We care at jam card. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, important when you're doing anything, it's like, how yeah. do you, you have to have a North star that's guiding you. Otherwise you could go in the wrong direction, yeah. but not have a rubric to decide whether that was successful or not. For sure. So with that being said, because now it's, I'm really happy with, because you deserve where you're at and it's really great. And I love that it's in, it's in your hands and you have a, a epic C-suite and a whole team now. You built it. You successfully got it from idea with your homie to some great engineers to a company with the real board and real investors. You've raised <laughs> tens of millions of dollars. It, feel, it feels more like a real company than it did back in the early days for sure. Yeah, you and I, since we started around the same time, we definitely went in, in like different directions. So I, I learned a lot and I love talking with you about where you're at because it's a lot different than how I run Jamcard. You have this more, I mean, you have how many employees now at Wave? We're like 70. 70 employees and you have a real executive team and and you've raised 40, 50, 70, 70 million dollars. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Hey, cheers. It's awesome. So- it definitely didn't happen overnight. I mean, no way. It, it did like, not. I've watched. No, you've been grinding for seven, maybe eight, somewhere around there years, and uh, and and it's, you still got you still got a lot of work in front of you. Yeah, yeah, we're still mid journey. Yeah, definitely. But it's cool to see where you're at because now I'm like, oh, even for me as someone who saw the tech early on, was like, this is really cool. I think this is cool. Now I'm like, oh, I see its use case in the world and its usability and where it's going to go, and it's just exci- It's exciting. I feel like uh, I still feel like we're still ahead of it right now, but yeah. it's, yeah, we were definitely early when we started the company and we're still early, Yeah, but enough validation points have happened that I feel really confident yeah. that we're on the right track and we're within a time frame that is achievable to sort of yeah. get to the, the business objectives or the outcomes that we want. Yeah. But one thing I've realized because this is my first startup is that the act of being a founder and being a CEO, I think in any type of business, it's not, you don't just have an idea, start the company and then just go run it. Like yep. most of the process is what you were saying about pivoting and micro pivoting and adapting and being really agile, having enough like surface area exposed so that you can find those new ideas like the jam jam for sure. Or, I mean, there are countless examples of this with in our company where we're like, let's try this crazy thing and see if it works. Like whether that's a new technology or it's a new design idea or a new type of partnership. And then you just learn a lot. And as long as you stay agile, um, you don't, get like too focused on heads down grinding towards one thing without 
you know, getting enough new information mm-hmm. um, and you just stay open to, to new opportunities. But at the same time, like you can't just endlessly experiment. Like you have to commit to something. And as we were talking about before, like grind sometimes through it yeah. like when you, even in the face of neg- negative yep. feedback or obstacles. So I feel like looking back at the, the, the first seven years of wave, um, I had to do a lot, that a lot of times, like yeah. first in the VR era, then sort of when the pandemic hit, there was like all this crazy hype and um, people claiming that like the technology is further along than it really is. And so then I felt almost the opposite feeling that I, w- I was like, Hey guys, like let's pump the brakes and slow down. Like this is really where we are. Like we still have a ways to go to solve this problem or solve this problem. And so just staying grounded throughout the whole process is, is difficult. Um, yeah. It's something you just figure out how to, how to um, live with over the years. Yes. I would love to talk about fundraising because I know a lot of uh, first time founders uh, come up to me or ask me or email me or ask me for advice. Like, how do I, how do I raise my first round? How do I do this? Um, you've been really successful in, in fundraising. So what is some good advice? What are some good tips? How do you fundraise? I think number one, find investors who are like-minded, who are intrinsically motivated and, and not extrinsically, like intrinsically being like they care about the actual product and the mission. Yeah. Um, that is the best case scenario because you'll be with these people ideally for several years. And so some of our early investors uh, who have been supportive both financially, but also with their time and emotional resources, like have been the, the best partners that we've had. And I think we made some really good decisions on the people that we have worked with, who I'm, I'm still really close with and have amazing relationships with. So one work with good people. Sometimes you'll find some shady crypto guy who's like, <laughs> I'll sell my board ape and invest in your company. And not that that guy isn't good, but, um, but work with like, you know, some mixture of people like institutional investors, like high net worth individuals, you know? Um, and then the second thing is, uh, don't go out and just start pitching people. Like you really need to build relationships with investors, whether, you know, you're starting an LLC, that's more, you know, looking for angel investors or you're starting a tech company where you're going to be pitching venture capitalists. Um, now I'm friends with a lot of investors. So we've had conversations about other companies pitching them and, Nobody wants to feel like a bag of money that is, you know, it, it, where it's too transactional. Yeah. So sometimes like when I advise my friends' companies, I'm like, you know, before you go out and start pitching investors, like find people who are like-minded and then just ask them for advice first because there's that adage, um, ask for money, get advice, but ask for advice, get money. So just put together a coalition of people who are first emotionally invested and then, you know, romance before finance, like eventually the money will come. Romance before finance. I should have looked at the camera when I said that. <laughs> Romance before finance. I've never heard that term. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first on the Emma Lovano show. This is it. We're live. Um, how do you? How did you find your first investors? Well, I um, quit my job. Uh, I bootstrapped our startup. We built our first prototype, and then we um, started showing it to investors. I drove up to. GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and just um, set it up at parties and events and stuff. And I set up this weird demo at my friend's house in the mission. Eventually, a few investors heard about it and came by to see the demo. The first one being uh, Kobe Fuller from from Upfront. Kobe was the first. He was the first. Uh, That's so cool. VC. And then, Shouts to Kobe. And then Tipitat from the VR Fund actually was the first one I met um, who introduced me to Kobe because he was a, a big VR investor at the time. And then um, it's so funny that, I mean, Kobe worked at Excel at the time, but then 
he ended up investing when he moved to LA and joined Upfront mm-hmm. um, like a year later or something. And so I just started meeting investors, but I wasn't really trying to like pitch them explicitly. I was just like, we're working on this project. And eventually some of the investors were like, have you thought about raising money and starting a company? I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, and so I just watched a ton I just of, know how to make things. Yeah. Watched a ton of YouTube videos. And then I had a couple of friends that were running companies or were founders who were just really generous with their time, who I could call at any time and be like, what does this mean? I don't understand. I got this term sheet. Like, are they trying to screw me? And he, and he was like, yes, don't take the money. <laughs> yeah, but community is really important, I think. Like, it's a lonely process being an entrepreneur, especially if you're in a field like we are, which is like futuristic and you have to keep persevering through many years in the face of a lot of doubt. So having a, a group of people, you included, like is essential just to maintain your, your sanity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really uh, cherish our friendship because I love it. I mean, we did it even over the break. Yeah. Everyone else, everyone had time off. And I was like, it's like December. No, it was like January 2nd or something, right? And it was like, I was like, Adam, can we go for a walk? And yeah. Like brainstorm and whiteboard. Can we whiteboard? I want to pick your brain. Totally. And being a musician is also a lonely process. Yeah. And you have a group of people who are your support system and your network. And like, and you also have to persevere uh, through lonely times. I feel like anyone who's doing something that, is ultimately like successful it has to go through like you know hard times and yeah. like trials and tribulations and stuff like and being a musician putting yourself out there like getting on stage and singing like it is humiliating you know especially when you're first starting out and the same is true for being an entrepreneur like it is humiliating like pitching investors getting rejected like getting tons of mostly rejections mostly rejections yeah yeah sending my demo to pitchfork or whatever back when i was in a band it's like i got rejected over and over and over again sending just following up emails over and over yeah yeah exactly checking back here it's hard but you know you have to love it and ultimately it's worth it because like as long as you care about what you're doing like the hard times they get easier yeah As, as long as like you start seeing those proof points towards the, your North star or whatever it is, whether you're a musician, like you get featured on a recording or you get a a smaller record deal or whatever it is. It's just like, just take all the wins because you need all of them to like fill the, the bank, you know, (laughs) not the real bank, but like your bank of energy to keep going. Celebrate the tiny victories. Yeah. For sure. But anyway, like for, for what we're doing with the metaverse and stuff, like I would say if you're a musician, um, as I said, you don't have to jump in right now, but, I think familiarizing yourself with um, video game engines like Unity and Unreal or some of the platforms that kids are currently using. Because remember, like, it's not going to happen overnight. Like right now, a lot of young people are like living their lives in Roblox and Minecraft, but they're starting to get older and becoming like sort of the consumers of tomorrow that are going to get jobs and have money. And meanwhile, all the technology is developing. You know, Meta is releasing new headsets. A bunch of new other big companies are jumping in. So there's going to be a convergence over the next like three to five years where this is going to be a real market. And you're already starting to see some artists going into Roblox and making a living or um, in the same way that TikTok like spawned big artists mm. like, you know, Lil Nas X and, and, and others. So like you can have a first mover advantage if you go onto these platforms and find a friend that like kind of understands video games. This is all video games, by the way. Like there's all this hype around the metaverse and web three and whatever, like, for me, the metaverse is just gaming. It's all video games. Yeah. Because this has been happening like since World of Warcraft and MMOs and guilds. And it's like people are modeling social behaviors in these spaces and culture is happening and increasingly so now. But it's still 
on a trajectory to happen. It hasn't happened yet. So this is a great time to like download Roblox. Like it's going to be a weird experience for you if you're not a gamer, um, especially if you're over the age of 12. But um, just try to understand how some of these like experiences are getting more popular. And then, yeah, if you find a friend that can develop for any type of gaming engine, whether it's one of the, you know, complex ones like Unreal or it's just the, the level creator in Roblox, which is like a scripting language, um, though that technology is going to get easier and easier and easier, especially with the advent of AI, mm. um, which is going to actually kind of remove the need for needing any game development shops whatsoever. If you guys have seen Dolly 2 or ChatGPT, like you can now generate a photo just using text and it looks really, really good. So the same is going to be true for building 3D content like in Roblox and Fortnite and in our platform. So it might be as easy for you to um, just use text to describe the thing you want to build. And that's going to happen like in the next five years. So start familiarizing yourself with these spaces. Um, you know, we are building the definitive venue and platform for musicians. And so, you know, we're going to be releasing a toolkit that makes it really easy for musicians that doesn't, that don't necessarily have any coding chops to, express themselves in this way. And then if you want to do something more advanced, like there's a layer that requires more technical know-how, but like this is such a good time. And I feel like right now um, the people that are to start to learn this space and this tech are, they're going to be like the next like Lil Nas X or like the next Doja Cat, but it's going to be weird. Like they're going to be an avatar <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be, ha it's already happening and there's going to be more and more like famous avatar artists in the States. Yeah, I mean, we worked uh, with Teflon Sega, who's a, an avatar artist signed to Empire uh, Records. And he's an anonymous person, like no one knows who he is. His music's super dope. He did a live show with us. He is an avatar. He has a ton of followers on Instagram. For someone curious about AI right now, what would you recommend that they do? How could they get started? What, what, what would be a good starting point for them? Um, I would start like messing around with, with Dolly too, uh, or some of the more accessible uh, modules like op um, that OpenAI have released, like ChatGPT, just see what it's capable of, like in terms of the quality that that it generates. Um, I just generated like an album cover the other day. It took me three seconds, and I was like, "This is the coolest album cover for the song I made um, that I've ever had." And I was like, and it was created fully by AI. And then just think through like how this tech will change other things, including music, by the way. Um, because it's already being applied to other types of media. Like right now you can generate a photo and it looks amazing, but you will also be able to generate 3D gaming worlds. You'll be able to generate backing tracks. Um, people have already generated um, like VST plugins mm. uh, using this, I think it was um, Stability AI, which is an open source, uh, which is open source code. Like people are generating plugins now Yeah, using uh, ChatGPT or something. It's crazy. Because you'll be able to say with AI, you'll be able to say, write me a three-minute pop song in C minor that is in 4.4 4 at 140 BPM Yeah, uh, about uh, losing someone. <laughs> that will take a while to happen because it's, it's very complex to what you just described, but it will happen eventually. Which of the things is complex about what I just described? Well, because the about losing someone is done already. Chat GPT can do it right now. Lyrics are, yeah, are possible. The, the question is, where do you, is the reason, um, and I'm not an expert here, so take it with a grain of salt, but the reason why Dolly 2 is great is because they have a huge data set that they're training from. Right. So the question is, how do you get all that data into like a, and where do you get it from? So let's talk about our friends at Splice. 
yes. who, are, who are both very close to. Yep. So what if Splice uses the chat GPT AI, uh, API, excuse me. So Splice uses the chat GPT API, gives them all of their samples. They're all categorized 140 BPM in this key, blah, 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 et cetera. So then you could say, make me a two minute loop, uh, drum loop, 130 BPM, hip hop with a, with the baseline that is sad, right? Like that should be able to happen really quickly with this, with the chat GPT API and splice together. They do have probably the biggest data set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you might be right. They're, they're at, they're in a good position to do and that. And then I have a friend in Singapore. Tell me about her. Female founder who has created a, a very deep tag system tagging for songs which means this song is sad. This song is happy. This song is energetic. This song is about loss. This song right. is blah, blah, blah. And she has an API for it too that she has the publishers using because she they use it from her to uh, categorize their catalogs. So that way if someone, if a sync person is like, I want like a happy song for this like rom-com or whatever, they it, their catalog is now categorized by her technology. That's really cool. So that mixed with Splice, mixed with, Chad GPT yes. or, or just that mixed with Chad GPT could then do it for existing songs. But that, if you can categorize, I'm not sure if Splice's database is like uh, tagged in ways outside of like tempo and key and stuff like that, which it definitely is. Um, I know with, for jam card samples, we, w- we will have certain samples that are like tagged, like, you know, funky beat or like funny, baseline or, or, or vocal or like, or it's like a top line vocal melody that's called like, I miss you or something like that. So that's already all tagged. Oh man. Music is going to get so weird over the next couple of decades. You're right. Yeah. That, that might be sooner than we should have had Steve Martocci on the pod right now. We're going to do a part two, you, me and Steve. That would be awesome. Calling out Steve Martocci. We should get Steve, but you know what? I think it's so cool that splice has created new revenue streams for the industry and that jam card specifically, because I was looking at your sample packs the other day, is enabling musicians to leverage these new technologies to make money. Like end of the day, like that's what it's all about. Sometimes you hear about new tech that is going to change things like, like our platform or like, um, you know, AI, but, uh, just using samples and DAWs was at some point like a new scary technology. Yeah. I remember when I graduated college, I, I thought that I was going to get into like the studio business. I was like, I'm going to start a recording studio with my friend. And we, we almost did. Um, but then I was like, wait a second. Like I started using pro tools and I was like, ah, this seems like this whole business model is going to get disrupted pretty <laughs> soon. Um, and, but I think as a musician, that could have been scary also, but then splice and jam card are testaments to, um, ways that musicians could still benefit. And jam card specifically is like helping musicians like in holding their hands to figure it out. Cause I mean, a sample pack to most musicians and selling it on a platform still seems pretty new. Like, forget about metaverse concerts for a second. It's like right. just enabling, you know, Terrence Martin to do that mm. pack that you guys did. It's like, yeah. that's cool. And so yeah. I think there needs to be more organizations that pop up. That's like, let's help musicians use this new scary technology for their benefit. Yeah. And then all kinds of new roles and new business models come out of that. Yeah, for sure. What I'm trying to figure out right now is what's the next step to utilize AI. Cause I'm so inspired by Dolly, you were the one showing me Dolly yeah. at first. You and I, I remember it was like the day you got it. You were like, dude, look, look at I this. got accepted. No, we were, totally. We made a whole building made of Elmo's. <laughs> yeah, I, we I did. have it. Yeah, you can. Just like, oh. Uh, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, we went off doing a bunch of different Elmo art that night. And then ChatGPT now, already like I, I, I got on ChatGPT. I posted the other day because 
my, the first thing I did is I asked chat GPT, what is jam card? Right. And it gave me a very elegant, simple description that could have been on the front page of our website that is not on the front page of our website. So I'm not even sure exactly where it got it from. Wow. So it had you in the training set. Yes. Oh, I said, what is jam card? And it gave a, I have screenshots. I'll show you here. Actually, I'll just pull it up right now. Um, cause this is, this is, if you didn't see that you're the perfect person to, to talk about this. This is so funny. No, this is what I was saying. Like AI now it's hitting, it's cresting yeah. in the same way that I was talking about how VR and the metaverse is like on the slope to get there. Oh yeah. And cause I keep having these conversations with my founder or tech friends and I'm like, we should start an AI company. Like let's build the dolly of music. But then I'm so down, but, uh, but then I realized like, oh, well I should have just done that 10 years 10 ago years instead ago. of VR because there yeah, are people that have been working on this for a long time and they're the ones that are positioned to Which win. is why ChatGPT having opening up an API makes it where something where Jamcard could do something valuable, right? Because it's not me starting an AI company from scratch where I'd have to develop all these search engines and how they're scraping everything and reading everything and yes. learning everything. I'm not going to develop the ML program to figure it out, but if they do it and they allow it as a tool and I can give them... Uh, the jam card data set and we can create some sort yeah. of new opportunities for our members. That's not that, that benefits them and doesn't take away from them. Yeah, totally. Right? Then there's something there. So that's like where I'm, where I'm thinking. So any listener hit us in the comments or the uh, messages. If you got a AI ideas for jam card, we want to hear it and how to benefit musicians. Cause I'm not just going to make something that takes away from musicians. Um, wait, yeah, so there are enough companies that do that. There's enough companies that do that. That is not jam card. So, <clears throat> so I got chat GPT and the first thing I asked it was what is jam card? And it said, Jamcard is a professional network and membership platform for musicians and music industry professionals. It was founded in 2015 by Elma Lovano and provides a way for musicians to connect with each other and with music industry professionals and to find work in the music industry. The platform offers a range of features and services, including a directory of musicians and industry professionals, a job board, educational resources, and networking events. Jamcard aims to be a one-stop destination for musicians to connect, learn, and advance their careers in the music industry. That's not on our website. Yeah, so there's only, a, it's, this is 95% completely correct. And what's scary is, well, there's one thing wrong. It was not founded in 2015. Oh. It founded in 2014 was when I founded it. Gotcha. Uh, <clears throat> the actual version of it came out like 2017, the actual usable one. A job board, the job board's not public. We've been deving this for the last six months. It's not out yet. It knows we have a job board, which is what made me think, what? is this scraping Google Docs? No, no, it can't do that. It wouldn't have the permissions. But what if I had it as a link that was open to anyone on accident, right? You know, for the permission <laughs> settings. Dude, it had, I don't, wait. I don't know, but that's, if that's true, that was So then insane. I asked it, how do I get on Jamcard? Second question. Because I get asked that question all the time, and that's a very vague answer on the internet. There's like quoras about like, how do I get on Jamcard? Right, right, right. How do I get on Jamcard? Jamcard is a professional network members organization. We already said that for musicians, industry professionals. According to their website, Jamcard membership is by invitation only and is, in, and is intended for the top tier of music industry professionals and top tier up and coming talent. If you would like to be considered for Jamcard membership, you can visit their website, jamcard.com, and submit an application through the join Jamcard form in the top right corner tells you where to click in order to find our application, right? It is not clear from the information available on their website what the specific criteria are for membership or how long the review process takes. Dude, but it says it so like conversationally. Yeah, the, the interface is amazing. Then I said, who is the founder of Jamcard? And it said, Jamcard was founded by Elmo Lovano in 2015. Elmo is a musician and entrepreneur who created Jamcard to provide a professional networking platform for musicians and music industry professionals. 
The company has since grown to become a leading destination for musicians to connect, learn, and advance their careers in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, we're not too far off from developing the 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 GI. That's what they call it, the Generalized Artificial Intelligence, or a GA, or something. Again, I'm not an expert, but GAI. But the idea is that, that it's the next level up from Chat GPT. It's like Chat GPT version five and not four. Right. Um, and it is a complete intelligence that it can come. It's like another, it's a human that you could basically talk to and will remember your conversations. It's God, it's God mode. It, it's like Clippy, the original Microsoft word assistant, but like, you know, on steroids, like he would be, he would remember everything. It's like her in, yes, in that film. Totally. I want to ask it the, about religion. Um, That's what I would do. But yeah, technology, it's a real doozy and it's going to get even weirder um, over the next couple of decades as we're discovering in this very conversation. So yeah, What's your advice to musicians? I mean, you're the best person to answer this question. Like you interface with technology. That's not originally your background. Like what's your journey been like having to learn this landscape and, and then specifically with AI? Right well, no, just with technology in general. I mean, like you've seen so many things already change just within the last 10 years. Yeah. Utilize it. Don't hate on it. Utilize it. Experiment with it. Explore. Um, I think at first, like with sample packs, kind of changed, changed the game. And I think a lot of musicians were like, no, I don't want to have a sample pack because then I'm giving you a piece of me for less than I deserve or whatever. But then I think it's proven. No, it's just another way for you to become connected to me. Use yeah. something that I can create that then gets you even liking me more, liking my sound more. And now my sound is incorporated into your sound because you're going to take what I made and twist it into yours. So I think that, I think, I think that's getting deeper and deeper in terms of people understanding the value of creating a sample pack instead of just, I sell it either on your own or on splice or whatever it is. And I make this much money, but it's like, well, there's other reasons or other ways to make more money. I think where samples are going to evolve is whether splice does this or somebody else is you can buy this. And also I'm going to get two points on your song. If you use it, right. That is the real long-term yeah. actual value that you could do with the sample pack or even be like, Hey, it's free download it for free, but I get two points on any song you use it for or whatever the number is. So I think that's going to happen when it comes to AI. The very first thing I did was when you showed it to me, I immediately went home and I was like, we were starting this podcast and I was like, Oh, I need podcast art. Let me, let me have uh dolly make my podcast art. So I, I was like, <laughs> I was like Italian man standing on top of the globe Surrounded my microphones and drums wow. <laughs> or something like that. And it, made, it, turn out? it turned out pretty good. I sent it to Christian. I was like, Hey, it was great for, for inspiration. We didn't use it, but it was great for inspiration, right? To be like, Hey, give this to the designers and have this just be the inspiration. Cause normally with all the jam card things, what I do is I hand draw an idea of like pen and paper yeah. and then hand it to a designer. I'm like, can you make this a real thing? Um, and so this was just another way for me to do this and to try to get my vision out deeper um, for chat GPT is going to change the game. If you're a lyricist, you can write now, if you're having writer's block or you're just looking, or you just want to have play a fun game and be like, Oh, let me try something new today. You could open up, you could like, like, let's say you're going to wake up in the morning and write a song, have a cup of coffee, write a song, have your cup of coffee, go to chat GPT and say, write a song about losing someone on a Monday after spending a great weekend with them where you thought you were everything yeah. was going great. And then boom, have Chad GPT <laughs> spit you a verse in 10 seconds that you could love, hate, take as inspiration, make it yours. 
get an idea started. That can happen right now for lyricists. Yeah, yeah. My head's spinning just thinking about it. Like that right now, you can get so... It's really, it's really fucking crazy, you know, because it's already changing copywriting, right? So now if you're a copywriter or if you're a songwriter, I think you kind of have two options. The AI can replace you or you can be the person that gets really good at utilizing the AI. Definitely, definitely. You, and if you're the if you're like the the conductor of the AI or the composer of the AI or you're leading the AI in a direction, but it's your vision still. Because for now, the AI doesn't have the vision. Eventually, <laughs> who knows where that's going to go? But for now, at least for this next couple years, right? You having the vision and telling the AI what to do, whether it's the album cover for Dolly, but you have to tell it your vision, and then tweaking it. Same thing with lyrics lyricists right because or screenwriters yeah or copywriters or whatever it is so either someone else is going to use the ai or you could be the person that use it and everyone's like oh yeah but i like how they use it i like the yeah so it's like the, that lensa ai app is kind of a good metaphor here because it's like everyone saw their ai portrait and we all look super hot in them but it's like it's still me it yeah. just made me like look more jacked or thinner sure. or, or whatever so there still has to be the idea of your soul expression I think like overall, um, cause I have conversations with musicians and tech people all the time about new tech and, and what, about what we're doing is like technology affords new ways of expressing yourself and yeah. new ways of creativity. We know it's coming and we want to just help musicians learn the language and learn the tools so that they can express themselves this way. And it might not be for everyone. Um, there might be a, new, a whole new generation of artists that need to be born or that, or that are younger that this is one of their main ways of self-expression the same way that TikTok artists exist. But, um, but at least we know it's coming and we want to do something good with technology and, and not evil. I remember when uh, web three was going crazy. <laughs> NFTs was going crazy and you were going crazy with NFTs, but you were also like, every time you'd come up, you were like sell and cash out, sell <laughs> cash out. When everyone else was like, no, Adam, like, hold it. Diamond hands. And you were like, paper hands and watch. This isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. You were telling everybody, this isn't going to last. Every time you sold, I remember we were at dinner once. Yep. And you were like, oh, and you like sold an NFT and you got all excited. And you're just like, oh, this isn't going to last. It's done. This is insane that this is happening. And, and you knew it then when everyone, even the smart people in your inner circle were still like <laughs> not listening to you. Yeah, I got kind of addicted. I mean, I, I love technology. I'm just a total nerd. So whenever a new technology comes out that like people get excited about. I just dive in. I'll start developing or prototyping in that space or doing a bunch of research. And I was like, so many of my friends are like starting NFT startups or web three, this and that. And so I, I kind of dove in and then I have a little bit of an addictive personality. And so I got, I started like buying NFTs like that my friends told me were good and then um, selling them. And I made like a little profit and it, it, Reminded me of just gambling because, yeah. because there's that total like variable reward mechanism where like you don't know if you're going to win, but you're rolling the dice. And um, I got pretty like addicted to it for like a short time when we were at dinner that one time. I was like, my NFTs are selling. Oh my God. Um, I think Wave never really got into that part of the tech bubble or, or that specific bubble. Um, and I'm glad we didn't because we're just we have enough futuristic tech that we're already building. I also think that that space long-term can solve a lot of problems, specifically when it comes to music licensing. Yeah. Some of the things you're saying earlier about um, artists getting paid a percentage of yep. using their samples. Blockchain is probably the best technology to do that. And there have been people working on that solution for 
10 years, like that startup Jack, uh, image and heaps mm-hmm. thing, mycelia, like people. So I think that's on a path success. It's going to be a longer timeline. Um, but I think again, there's the VR bubble at crash. Now it's coming back up. Like with the web three bubble has burst and now people will figure out what the technology really does. And it probably doesn't involve selling ugly eight JPEGs for millions of dollars. Um, but then when you contrast that with a technology like AI, which is extremely apparent um, what the value is and that it's already transforming industries and it, and the, the value that it's creating is like has hit an inflection point where now developers are downloading stability and, you know, creating open source prototypes, new products every day. I just saw something on the way over here. Like Microsoft took a photo of someone and generated a 3d avatar using AI. It's like, okay, well that's relevant to our business. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really think that and other people have said this AI is the defining technology of our generation. Um, but it's so funny because there've been people working on this tech again for like decades and only now is it hitting. Right. Um, and I think the same is true for, for any of these like kind of shiny new tech objects, VR, AR, AI, web three. Um, and I, and I, we, we touched on the idea of the generalized art, artificial intelligence, like, that's going to be the next inflection point. Like when, you know, just like in the movie, her, uh, his phone voiced by Scarlett Johansson is an operating system that just does your bidding for you. It will book your meetings or it will compose documents. It can compose songs or anything. It's going to be a human interface. It's going to feel very inviting. Um, that's coming. I mean, that's also in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm which is crazy. It has to feel inviting because that's when a human will use it. That's what's so cool about ChatGPT, I think even more than Dolly. Dolly's like, whoa, this is mind-blowing. ChatGPT is like, oh, it's just talking to me in a normal way that sounds completely the way I talk and is factual. Totally. I mean, it's like the difference between early computers and then the first Mac. It's like, oh, wow, now normal people can use this. And and that's when it starts to inflect. So why does Microsoft put $10 billion into ChatGPT? Because they missed out on all the money originally (laughs) between PCs and, and, and Macs. Like, yep. I mean, they didn't miss out. They're doing just fine. But yeah. I think, I think Microsoft is doing fine. Yeah. They're trying to, yeah, they don't want to make that mistake again. It is crazy about chat GPT though, and how, or how open AI started and like how they started as a not-for-profit. Right. They started as a not-for-profit Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and Reed Hoffman uh, and several others put in several billion dollars as a not-for-profit. And then, um, and Sam, the founder wrote a, a blog post saying like, this has to be, uh, Sam Altman said, yeah, this has to be uh, a not-for-profit because the technology is too powerful for any like one group to own and control. And now it's for-profit. Three years later, yeah. they pivoted it to a for-profit company. Huh. And he wrote a different blog post saying this this is too powerful for anybody not to control. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to be the guys that do it. and then huh. And then the entity that invested... Um, like, or the, the not-for-profit people like Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman, then their donations, then they somehow put them into a different arm that then got equity for their money donated. Hmm. It's not cool. I'm fans of all these entrepreneurs, but that's like, <laughs> to that, to that be your, your, it's unfortunate because for that to be your infrastructure that you're building on top of is like you saying we're starting a not-for-profit. We're the greatest minds in tech. Sam Altman, one of the greatest entrepreneurs in the game, yeah. one of the greatest CEOs in the game. I'm starting this as this is the, this is the biggest 
project of our lives and it has to be a not-for-profit for these reasons. And then they do that and that's like, that's really admirable. And then these people, of course, they're getting tax write-offs for donating, but still they're doing it. And then a few years later, it's like, okay, actually it's, it's a for-profit company, but there's a, and then did you hear about this? The 100 X max payout on your investment? No, they gave all those investors. That was one of their like catalysts. It was like, dang, it's like, okay, but it's maximum hundred X payout hundred X on your billion dollar investment. Yeah. Well, is massive. This is <laughs> just so characteristic of the technology industry and Silicon Valley's ethos, which is like new technology, gold rush, control power. I mean, it's literally the, you know, Lord of the Rings narrative. So it, it also shows that Sam Altman and Elon and all these people really think that open AI is going to be a trillion multi-trillion dollar company. Cause if they're saying maximum 100 X payout, but meanwhile have raised billions of dollars. I don't know if that's true. I mean, it certainly seems like there's a lot of potential business wise, but um, from what I've seen in talking to developers, stability AI is the superior platform just because mm. it's open source. Yeah. Right. It's still open and developers are, have been, I mean, the, the rate at which new technology and new values being created is, has eclipsed uh, open, AI, open AI. Yeah. Um, of course this, there's the age old argument of open versus closed, but, um, but the other thing when it comes to AI is just like so much of the tech is not proprietary and it's really based on who owns which data sets. So yes. the idea that a single company could give those returns and be worth trillions of dollars might not pan out. Right. It, it might be the type of thing where, you know, there are not trillion dollar companies or even multi-billion dollar companies formed it that from a business or investment standpoint, it's a lot more distributed just because the technology itself is not proprietary. Right. That's why I think Google is probably still going to win, going to win because they have all the data. Yeah. That's all that matters in, the, in this case. Like the, the actual algorithms will can, it can be cloned. Yeah. But how Google got to where Google is, is by not asking permission and by not, uh, by, by scraping and by displaying other people's data on theirs. Right. Then doing the deals later, even that's what they did with Yelp. They're just like, we're just going to kill you. If we, if you don't let us acquire you, we have all your data. We're just going to put it up on the front page of ours. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, innovators dilemma. Yeah. So I, I mean, open AI is not going to ask for permission. But now they're such a big company. Once you take billions in investment, like you can't move fast and break things anymore. Yeah. You know, that's why I think stability and the more open source platforms will move faster and create a lot more value for people. Um, and you'll get more. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Don't even listen to me because it's not my area of expertise, but, <laughs> but that, that's what I would predict. Like, I don't see any of these AI companies like becoming the next Google, right? Because they they entrenched... Um, or the, the incumbents, like they have now they can respond and be like, okay, great. Like Google can develop their own tech and they, they probably already have, and then leverage all of their data and crush any newcomer. But, but it's still a interesting thing to see how it plays out. So to go back into your world, metaverse concerts, avatar concerts, uh, where is that market going and where's wave going? Well, I actually think AI is going to be, um, a game changer for our business. Um, just because right now, one of the, the challenging things is, um, you know, the barrier of entry to content creation back to that, um, Microsoft avatar, which was generated from a photo. Um, you know, one of the things that costs the most to throw a virtual concert is 3d modeling an avatar or 3d modeling an environment. When you can generate that from AI, the barrier of entry not just from shows that we create, but from shows that any musician or one, or a creator 
wants to create is super low. Um, and so the idea of democratizing this medium to a ton of new people and new creators and seeing what they do with it is really exciting to me. So like when we first launched our platform, when it was VR, it was actually an open platform that used uh, UGC, which stands for uh, user generated content. And we had this community of um, like VR DJs. Cause back then you had to use like a headset to, um, to perform these, these concerts. And you know, every night people would be creating their own shows. And, and we had this, it was small. There were like hundreds of people, like not like millions, like the shows we do now, but it was growing. And you can imagine that as more people learn how to create these shows that, there's more content and then more monetization and opportunities to make money. And then, um, then we, we pivoted out of VR and we, we started using our own tools to build shows for big artists. So mm -hmm. in the second chapter, we were like doing concerts with Lindsey Sterling and John legend and the weekend and then monetizing them ourselves. Um, the vision is still to kind of go back to that original concept of, um, letting anyone do this in the same way that you use YouTube or Twitch or TikTok. Like it's an open platform that lets, you know, musicians themselves or other companies create content that gets monetized. And then we're just a platform. We take a small fee. Um, and so I think AI is going to really help us get there um, in the short term, because if the interface for building these 3d worlds and building these shows is something as simple as text or a few decisions to make something really compelling then anyone can do it. And, and then as you know, headsets get better people can, actually join and feel present in these shows. You know, just like when we, we did the Calvin Harris show on Friday, we had a bunch of people in there in VR feeling like they're at this show, seeing like Calvin Harris's avatar and then seeing these artists play live in these environments is like extremely compelling. It's just a matter of like a few pieces of the tech getting better so that it becomes more accessible. Mm. And what is it like to work with Calvin Harris, The Weeknd, Justin Bieber, these artists? How, <clears throat> how are you as the founder working with these, like, how do you guys get to the show? Obviously you, you do the deal, you come together, but like, how do you creatively create the show with the artist? It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's one of the things I love the most about my job, which is getting to working with musicians. Like I are, I am one, so I speak their language and showing them the possibilities of, Hey, like, all right, weekend, like let's do a lick the frog moment and then take you into this crazy journey into your subconsciousness. Like we can do that using these technologies that you can do things you can't do at your actual concert because when you're doing stage visuals, you're adhering to the laws of physics and gravity. Yep. And so just like enabling them to do their thing in a new way is, is really gratifying. And then there's the new technology element, which is challenging because sometimes artists are like, what you want me to do? What? Like, I don't know what VR is. What's AR? like, what is this? And how do you like do that efficiently? Cause you know, we want to crank out lots of shows. And so, we can't spend a full year working with a single artist. Um, but what we found is uh, there are certain types of artists that do really well in waves. Cause again, they are live shows where we are animating their avatar using this crazy technology. Um, and certain artists will interact with the audience or they'll understand how to perform specifically in this way. Yeah. And some artists will just want to show up and do their normal thing. Um, but I, I love working with artists because every artist we've worked with um, has had a great experience and has had their mind blown. And they all say the same thing. They're just like, wow, this is going to change the industry. Um, it's just a matter of time before this becomes just a normal tour stop. It's like, you've got your global tour, your national tour, and you have a one stop in the metaverse because yep. you're going to be expressing yourself in a different way. You're going to be reaching a different audience. Um, 
and it's fucking cool. Like it just makes you feel cool when you play these shows. Cause oh, yeah. you have like superpowers. You have lasers shooting out of your eyes, like in that Dylan Francis show. And you can put a different show together. It's a one-time only show. Everyone in the world can watch you. Cause even if you do a full world tour, you're not hitting the entire world. It's true. There's going to be tons of cities that you're leaving out secondary, third markets, all that kind of stuff. People that just, and then even if you're hitting the market and a fan really loves you, but they can't afford it, you can't, they don't have the hundred bucks for your show or whatever it is. Like you can hit infinitely more people with this unique concert. Yeah. And there, it'll be on every tour cycle. There are also tons of people that just don't go to concerts. Like it's actually a, a small fraction of music fans attend concerts really? because, because of all those issues that you mentioned, like physical location cost, um, $60 parking and so far. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm getting older and I'm introverted. So I don't yep. like being in big crowds and having to wait in a lot. So for sure. And you have this new generation of gamers that have grown up where their friends exist as avatars in games like Roblox and Minecraft, yep. where they're just in there. And so don't you want to go where they are, where they are, meet yep. them where they're at and where their culture is happening. So it take it's going to take a bit to, for that cultural shift to happen. But I guarantee you like, couple decades from now, like virtual concerts in these spaces are going to be like the it's, they're going to make more money than actual live shows in the same way that, you know, Netflix has eclipsed, you know, physical theaters. You're, you're sure. seeing that slow thing play out, but the, everyone knows what's going to happen. For sure. I mean, even if you have a $10 ticket and you sell a million tickets, you can actually have that live and you have 10 million in revenue, which is more than you make from your entire tour <laughs> or, or, or from whatever it may be. And then on top of it, there's the, uh, inexperienced purchases of unique merch. Like when I watched the, the weekend, yeah. uh, wave show, I bought a, uh, an ashtray. Right. I saw the ashtray when I came in. Yeah. I bought this like weekend ashtray that was like, uh, limited just for the, just for the wave show. And it was, and it supported black lives matter. I was like, Oh, I'll buy that. So you're buying these things or you're, you're paying a dollar for them to see your name or $10 or whatever it is to write them a comment that they can see or give you a shout out on stage or whatever it may be, or choose the next song. And yeah. And we had 3 million people at that show. That's like, insane. You could not even do that in physical reality. No. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, this conversation has actually convinced me like that AI is going to change so much in the industry, but specifically what we do. Cause if you think about it, like just the think about the unit economics of going on tour, like you've got to pay, for transportation, you have to pay this for the stage setup. You have to pay the venue. You pay for, like, it's very expensive and it takes yeah. a ton of logistical coordination, right? For sure. Like the tough thing about what we do currently is we have to build the virtual set, right? Because it's digital and we have to make it look beautiful. And we, so there's always gonna be some custom work you have to do when you work with artists. But in the same way we just saw like Dolly 2 and ChatGPT generate content using yeah. AI, like once that happens, the cost of throwing these shows is going to be minimal. Yeah. And so it, it removes even more friction and creates more value compared to a live concert. And once artists realize that they can make more money in the metaverse than playing a real concert, like what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. They're going to take it. It's going to happen faster than we think too. Like I, I just think this AI revolution is going to change a lot, not just for our, our business, but like a lot of other things, anything that is digital the cost of creating it is going to become zero. Mm -hmm. So what does that enable? Certain business models that might not have made sense before will now suddenly make sense. So yep. it's just a great time to be an entrepreneur, I think. 
you'll be able to like type beats is a big thing on the internet right now. Like a kid, uh, these, these kids are 14 years old. They go on YouTube and they write Drake type beat and then, and then YouTube pulls it up and they just some, someone made a Drake type beat and then they just rip it off YouTube. And then they just like put it into GarageBand or BandLab or any of these other really simple DAWs. And then they just like grab their iPhone microphone and just like, or not their, their, you know, their, their AirPods or whatever it is and just like sing into it and auto tune it. But Drake type beat right now is a, is something that people have to make that a producer goes and makes Drake type beat in a few months is going to be made by AI. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, so that's what I'm saying. You'll be able to use AI to just say, yeah, give me a Rosalia type beat. And then there it is. And then you could just sing over it. And then you could tell it auto tune, talking about plugins, AI plugins. Yeah, I don't know how to auto tune. I don't know whatever. You'll just tell the AI, auto tune my voice to sound like Rosalia, but with my tone still. And it'll just, the AI will read it, see the key that you're in, and then go forward. Yeah, I mean, Logic already had an AI built into the drum plugin, right? Where it's like, what type of beat do you want to create? Is, isn't there like a, there's a chaos pad that's like XY? Yep. Where it's like more complex. Or more, I forget what the parameters were, but that's basically the same thing we're already talking about. Just extrapolated into like this layer of abstraction, which is crazy when you think about it. For but, sure. But like no one was complaining that that plugin replaces drummers. It just makes it easier when you're cranking out a demo to add drums that sound real like yeah which is great exactly exactly this is going to be crazy dude thank you so much adam for coming and for talking with us this is so exciting yeah and by the way if ai ends up destroying the music industry like do not listen to me like i have no idea what's going to what's going to happen but i think that's the most exciting part of it at least like for the bystanders who are like fans of tech and fans of music it's like whenever these new technologies come out first everyone freaks out and says it's doomsday then like new businesses are formed new artists like get popular like new modes of creative expression are created and then like like the mpc or all these things like it, they always made creativity better um i hope that's still true here i do promise that our company at least in the metaverse has the best intentions we're not trying to destroy music or destroy touring or whatever i, <laughs> I love concerts um, but the thing that motivates us is supporting artists and helping them tell a different story or a, diff a different way um and so we're just gonna keep doing that I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab your mug and I want you to look in the camera and read it. Oh, wow. This is, this is amazing. A good entrepreneur follows all the rules, but a legend breaks them. Wow. Did you choose this mug specifically? That's specifically interview? for you. Adam Arrigo, everybody. Did you do that for all the interviewers? Uh, I, I'm, it's kind of becoming a thing. It's becoming a thing. This could be your But thing. that one's just yours. Do I get to take it home? All right, yeah. I need to read it in the morning when I wake up. <laughs> you're the legend today, but I'm the legend in my house when I wake up. I'm stealing it. If you really want it, it's yours. Right. Consider it done. Adam Arrigo. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. This is like the deepest interview that I've, I've done before. Go deep with Elmo Lovano. And we're out. Legend. <laughs>